Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Burden of Leadership podcast. I'm Paul with Vani, with Tamian. What's going on, fellas? Hanging out, man. Ready for some good convos, some good uh, topical discussion, and just uh, over a good dialogue. Yeah, we've, uh, we've had uh, one episode already. This is the second episode. We're just talking about our sponsors that we're going to be getting. So if you want to sponsor this podcast... Uh, reach out, okay? Levi's, Nike, whoever you are, okay? You got to be good, though. <laughs> you gotta Not be, just anybody can sponsor this thing, you know what I mean? And, uh, apparel would be great. I look very mayoral today. These guys look like they normally do, just super fly brands on, whatever you're wearing, yeah. Tommy Hilfiger. So. We want to smooth you out over time. I know. But what? But just real quick, and then we'll get started. I have a sweater vest on under this, right? And there's that com- comedian who talks about the guy who invented the sweater vest. It's like... My arms are, are warm and they're fine, but I'm just really cold right here. <laughs> I see something right here. So right, that's right what I got here. on today under the jacket. So, so um, we're going to talk a little bit today about leadership and the skills, uh, qualities, personalities that make a great leader. Yeah. And I think why this topic is so important and, and so relevant is the last couple of years, you have seen uh, good leaders emerge yeah. through the pandemic uh, and through a lot of the challenges of our time, you've also seen some bad leaders also emerge. Mm-hmm. So like, why is it that certain good people emerge? Why is it that certain bad people emerge? What's the difference? What's the cult of personality that makes one leader successful and rise to the top? But why do some other people, because we know them, if I say that off the top of my head, hey, there's some bad leaders out there that have risen. We all probably are thinking of some people right now that yeah. you're like, how did that person get to where they are? Mm-hmm. But um, I think we've also seen people who have wanted to step back and say, listen, if that's what leadership means is having to go through what the past couple of years have been, I want nothing about it. So we've had fewer and fewer people yeah. putting their hand up wanting to lead, which has led to probably less qualified people sometimes filling that gap. Yeah. Well, for me, I just think the reason why you see both is there's opportunity and chaos. You know, uh, when you're in the midst of chaos and people don't know what's up and what's down, it's a great opportunity for snake oil salesmen. It's a great opportunity for people to take advantage of leadership vacuums. And it's also a great opportunity for those who feel obligated to serve in those moments. You know, the, the people who feel like those are the moments that I have to. I might not otherwise want to but the moment requires me to. And I think that's why you're seeing both. I think for me, the interesting thing was seeing people who faded to black. You know what I mean? All of those folks who were talking, all of that stuff, all of that leadership. And as soon as it got weird, crickets. That for me was more pronounced in terms of the people who just kind of fell back. Yeah, that's that's really good point. When the going gets tough, some people don't, the tough get going, but also the weak fade away. Out of there. Yeah. Out of there. And I can think about some people who were just so prominent. Yeah. And just immediately were just out of there. Yeah. You know, depending on when people are listening to this, um, we just went through this crazy Speaker of the House stuff, you know, Mm -hmm. in Congress. And you're, there's been, it's almost political theater in some ways. And there's some people that have this strangle on or had a strangle in that process that I'm like, how did that person get to a position where they have so much control over this process, but yet I would not trust them to lead my company. I would not trust them with my child. I would not trust Mm -hmm. them with my 
two-person janitorial supply shop here because of the way they act, the way they treat people. And so I think that's what's challenging sometimes when you get into a position of leadership and people say, if that's what a leader looks like, in my case, if that's what a politician looks like, I want like nothing to do with it. Yeah, what's interesting, especially in this day and age with now social media playing such a huge part of it because we define leadership the same way John Maxwell does. Leadership is influence, right? And that can come both good and bad. And when now when you talk about when you have a decent following, again, I'm interested to see how long you go until some major YouTube influencer is running. We are seeing it now where people are running for political office in, in a certain district or a certain area. And just by way of however they got there, however they got these followers or people that kind of just connect with them, relate to them with no expectation of what is the standard of leadership? That's why I think this is such an, such an important topic to ask folks to wrestle with. Again, what are the characteristic traits that you would really want? I go back to strip everything away. And what are those characteristic traits that you would want of those who are truly leading your country, your corporations? And you can see it in the past. You can look at some of the great leaders we've had, but I think long gone are the times where people start with a standard and yet go by whoever has the most followers or who's the loudest in these spaces. So, so based on that, what do you feel is one of the strongest qualities of a leader? Uh, I mean, I, I have my own list of things I look for when building a team or looking to hire someone, but what do you think um, is a strong leadership quality? As we looked at this time over the last couple of years where good leaders and bad leaders have both risen to the top, what's made the good leaders the good ones? What do they have that the bad leaders don't? I think the number one for me is self-awareness. Because that just begets all other ones. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? If you just don't have the capacity to introspect, if you don't have the capacity to take in feedback, um, if you don't have the capacity to be transparent and honest with yourself, you lose access to all of the other skills that we're going to talk mm -hmm. about. You know what I mean? You just have to be aware of, of where you're at in the process and the part that you play in it. Mm -hmm. And I think most poor leaders... It, it, it's even not just that it's consistent in good leaders, but, it, but just how consistent a lack of self-awareness is with poor leaders. I think that's 100%. It's so funny. We didn't plan this ahead of time. We didn't go through what we were going to say. Mm -hmm. But you, you, know, you said self-awareness, and I frame it a little bit differently, same term, but coachability, like mm -hmm. someone who they're able to be coached, and if they're told, hey, you need to do better here, they're willing to take that feedback mm -hmm. and become better from it. Like some of the worst leaders are those that are not able to listen or don't have the capacity to listen uh, when it comes to their own shortfalls or things that they mm -hmm. can do better in. Where they're like, I got it. I know what I'm good at. Uh, I'm the best at this and no one can tell me otherwise. Almost a narcissism. Mm -hmm. So like narcissistic leaders are not coachable and are not self-aware. Right. So I think the opposite of the coachability and the self-awareness is that narcissism, which we've seen a lot in the last few years as well, a lot of real narcissistic leaders that have risen. Yeah, for me, uh, I think passion. Uh, I would say passion for uh, purpose, real and genuine purpose, because we talk about, again, in the last few years, we've seen a lot, of, a lot of leaders shrink away from the moment. It's gonna be hard, and mm -hmm. you have to have that. What is your commitment to push through the hard things? You know, We have a saying that we talk about in Leaders of Tomorrow that success lies on the other side of I don't feel like it. If you want any level of success, you're going to have to push through those moments that you don't feel like it. And if you don't have that passion, that drive, that commitment to push through those hard times, it's going to be easy to shrink back or be influenced by X, Y, Z and saying, you know, again, do I really believe in the greater good? What am I trying to accomplish? 
what is my purpose? You know, are you getting it for ulterior motives? Because when you really know what your purpose is, and if it's truly betterment, any leader of a community or organization, it should be about bringing people, organizations, things forward to be in a better position where it's at today. And a lot of folks don't have a passionate drive for a purpose. It's tethered to other things, ulterior motives. Super important, man. That I think good leaders have a knowledge of why they're on earth and a sense of purpose that's greater than themselves. And poor leaders don't. It's a very me-focused philosophy that they subscribe to. For sure. And I, you know, it's one of those things where you understand why, in the sense that we have a such a martyr-based leadership type of situation. Like, you know, when you're the hero or you're the leader or whatever, you are responsible for all of these people. You got to take care of all of these people. And I think in a martyr complex is a bit of a God complex. And it's easy to see how it's me. I have to do the thing. And I think as much as it could be virtuous, it could be detrimental. And I think finding that balance, but that comes from experience and, and good guidance and good leadership. And that's why mentorship is so important. It's like, if you just, if you just tell somebody like, if you don't do this thing, it won't get done and it'll negatively affect and or negatively impact the community or generations or whatever. That's heavy. It's a big lift. And if you got to deal with the responsibilities of leadership, you got to deal with all the pressures, all the criticism and all that, whatever. It's really hard to not think it's about you because mm -hmm. it feels like it is. Mm -hmm. Everybody's asking it of you. Everybody wants it from you. Everybody's aiming their energy at you. Why would you not think you're the thing? Mm hmm. And unless you have somebody that can put their arm around you and give you perspective and keep you grounded and allow you to be able to work that balance where you don't lose the confidence and the belief in your ability to change things, but you understand that it's not just about you, for you, or by you, it's tough not to go that road. It is. That kind of goes back to why the podcast ended up being called The Burden of Leadership. Yeah. You know? Well, I'll ask this question. So as you frame this up, just from each of your perspectives, um, who is somebody in a, in a day and age where we have information overload, where you can read the biographies, you can look in history, right? There's a, a plethora of examples. Who's someone in your mind who stands out as a really great leader and why? Why, in your opinion? Man, um, so many. Uh, and I think a lot of times we associate leadership with position, the higher position, the higher rank, uh, the more influential the person, the the more opportunities they have for leadership. I'll tell you, and this is going to be a hot take that probably will preclude me from ever running for another office again, mm -hmm. but I'm just going to be transparent. Um, I have watched Liz Cheney uh, as someone who's in politics. I obviously am very close to politics. I've seen Liz Cheney stand up for beliefs uh, at the expense of her political career. Mm -hmm. um, and something that she believes in, standing up to a, a former president, standing up to a process, and um, knowing she is going to get absolutely roasted mm -hmm. and skewered. Uh, and in this case, she knew she would lose an election. It's like, that's a pretty bold leadership. And she's doing this not as a narcissist, but as a way because she believes so firmly in a cause, in a purpose. Now, I'm not saying, maybe I agree or disagree with her. I'm not saying that, but I'm saying what she did well, to stand up, it's like, you have to admire that. Whether you agree or disagree with her position, she is obviously doing something that is much greater than herself. And I, and I think anytime someone does that, you have to just step back and say, wow, 
that's some bold leadership because it's very, uh, in this case, sacrificial. For sure. And I would even tell you, as it pertains to Liz Cheney in particular, it's one of those things where when you think about it, like, should it be that bold? Should it be that dynamic? No. You know, when you say this is what I believe in and and my party is big enough that I can have a different version of things without being ostracized or uh, exiled because I don't go lockstep on every single line item. But it is, it is a big deal because we're at where we're at and that's tough to do, especially on things at that level of significance. Um, I don't think people fully appreciate that, especially when we're talking about, you know, um, January 6th where people were really calling for people's heads in that building. Like, it's not like it's this far off impossibility that somebody might really act upon the type of rage they would have for you taking a position like this. But we're on the heels of people really doing that. Mm -hmm. So it's not like fanciful anymore. Like, this is a real thing now. And not just for the political situation, but just real life or death stuff, being willing to do stuff like what that. About, what about like on a local level, like that's a national level. You asked a question about who's a leader you admire. Who comes to your mind locally? I mean, we're in Sioux Falls, obviously, and you know, someone, while you're maybe thinking of that, because what people maybe don't realize is we're not, we're not doing all these questions ahead of time. This is a very free-flowing discussion. Yeah. There's a guy serving on city council. Uh, his name's Rich McCorris. You guys probably know Rich. Yeah. Uh, and Rich um, is pastor. And he's a city councilor, and he works with some different nonprofit groups. And he's a very humble leader, um, very self-aware, knows why he's here, knows his purpose, uh, servant leader, not in it for himself. And I just daily, uh, I am just always in awe of that guy uh, and the work mm -hmm. he does in this community. And does he have any direct reports? I don't think so. I mean, I don't think, yeah, so, so we think about leadership, mm -hmm. sometimes we're like, well, where do they sit in the, in the food chain or their employment or are they at the top of the org chart or what's their business card? Mm -hmm. I don't think Rich has business cards, okay? But I see him as a quiet, humble, but very effective leader you know, in our community. Yeah. I'm in the women right now, man. Like I'm just, I'm so impressed with some of the, the women in our community that are doing amazing things all the way from like your, Dr. Stevens with the school district and things of that nature to our mutual friend, Natalie Eisenberg and what she's doing over there, how she transitioned from you in that space, which is a tough lift in a lot of those situations to gaining that respect, expanding that, all of those different type of things. Um, there's just a lot of people like that. A lot of officers, doctors, lawyers, judges, nurses, teachers that I have such a huge amount of respect for that I think are doing cool things. And I just think it's such a dope time for some of the amazing uh, women in our community that are really getting their sea legs in terms of using their voice in a very authentic way. Because um, I think if anybody pays attention, women have been the effective leadership in a lot of these organizations, meaning that they were the ones doing a lot of the stuff, but they didn't necessarily represent in the C-suite. And I think that that dynamic is starting to change. And then I think just people being able to be more comfortable having a voice, even with the podcast situation happening right now. Um, uh, uh, I, I think that's dope. So I, there's a lot of women right now. I'm really appreciative. So back to the original question then of, of what makes good leaders, what characteristics, what qualities, what makes those ladies, Dr. Stavum and Natalie and others, what qualities, characteristics do they have that make them come to mind for you? Yeah, I think compassion, 
um, vulnerability, you know, willingness to really be open and honest about that. And then now, which I think is, is which is something we would not necessarily identify with that, but but it's just it's just courage. It's just I think there's a comfort with people being willing to live out loud and not, you know, have to repeat the past, but bringing their in, their specific perspective to it. And those are the big things for me is is the care and concern and compassion that they have for the people that they serve and the people that they're around. But also the courage just to stand up to this, you know, to the status quo, really, and then decide to do something different. So those are the big things for me. Yeah, if I could, one name that comes top of mind for me is Angela Shuffleman. You know, she just, you know, you unpack leadership being influenced. And so she goes to leadership, uh, leadership moral program author of my life, all those type of things, and just what she has done in the prison system. So again, for those who haven't heard the story, right, she gets this letter asking, will you start a, a, a Toastmasters group? And what she thought said, my life group. Oh, church life group? Yeah, yes. Yeah. Sends off the yes, I would love to do it. Had been in Toastmasters for a little while. Absolutely, get some background check information in the mail. She, what kind of life group is this? And she goes back and read it. It's lifers group. Prison, here's this 40-year-old, white lady with no experience of being in the prison, knowing anybody who's gone to prison. All right, hard moment. I said yes, do I follow through on saying yes? Yes, I do. And you talk about standing up again, she could have got out in a million different ways of doing that. And all the fears, I mean, think about people who have never been inside the walls, all the fears, and she talked about it over and over, like these are the things that was fearful of, I don't know what's gonna happen, all these different things but I said I was gonna do it, and therefore I'm gonna do it. And what has happened since she stepped into courage of doing so, she's opened the doors for so many people to get connected to a community that has been forgotten and left behind. And I think that's, you know, we talk about specifically locally, I think, but it's every, every community across the country is facing the same thing. When you talk about those hard demographics that you're trying to reach, homelessness, immigrant refugee populations in your community, um, prison populations, all these different things. This is something that the average person, even leaders and organizations, they don't wanna go and connect with that. And for someone to not only go and say yes, but now has been a bridge to some of yourself included to be able to see like, get connected to a population. And I, can, I tell a story about you all the time, the, the Tuesday after you had gone inside there, like you were choked up for like five minutes because Absent of her saying yes, you may have never had got that connectivity on that level and recognizing these are people just like us who just made a mistake, X, Y, Z. And so, you know, just living out that example of stepping into your courage, regardless of what you feel like or not, right? Success is on the other side of I don't feel like it. She didn't feel like it. She was scared. She was nervous, but she said yes. She followed up to be the person that she said she was. And now so many great things is happening because of one courageous woman following through on her word and being a true. Mm -hmm. And and I'll tell you, I I think one of the cool parts about us doing this podcast is that I can, you use the term vulnerability. I can be a little bit vulnerable, you know, as long as I don't get in trouble or my lawyer probably (laughs) in here, city attorney probably wouldn't like the stuff I have to talk about, but I have a stack of letters, like two inches thick from inmates from the relationships I've formed from mm-hmm. these lifer groups. Um, one guy in particular is probably about half that stack. And we, pen pal is the corny term, but we exchange letters all the time. Mm-hmm. And no one knows about this. 
you know, but he and I have developed this relationship and it's created an understanding for me of the justice impact of population that but mm. for this Angela lady who I didn't know saying, will you come to a Toastmasters club in the Jameson Annex, which, oh, by the way, is where the lifers and the most dangerous, you know, convicted felons are at. And I'm like, what? Like, why do they need Toastmasters? That's where you go to learn how to speak better. Like, who are they presenting to? And it's, I just didn't understand it. I'm like, I'll give it a shot. And since that time, I mean, not only to develop a rapport with these guys in a relationship, my whole mentality on the criminal justice system is probably different because of that. So I think back to the original topic discussions, like what qualities make a good leader? You got to be bold and just willing to answer the call, whether you want to or not. And in her case, she answered the call. And because of that, there's been a ripple effect on a lot of people in the community, myself included, because she went out of her comfort zone, got uncomfortable to do that work. Yeah. But there's also the knowledge that once you answer that call, like the phone don't stop ringing. You know what I mean? It's not like you get to go do a cool thing that's good and you go. It's a small pot that this ends up being. Mm -hmm. You know, we talked about it that I've done a lot of this work for decades and you find yourself in the room with the same people oftentimes until they burn out. And then you have a new person in that room. So when you go to do a thing like that, especially when you go to do it to be successful, you're not going to be done. It worked. If, if what you want to have happen happens, there's going to be a lot more for you to do. There's going to be a lot more people who are going to need you and want your time and, and all of those different type of things. And once you build belief, particularly in that kind of population, or as we talk about with youth, once you build belief and trust and all of those other type of things, that's a commitment that goes beyond a program. You know what I mean? You know, there's sometimes we just feel random calls where a person is saying, I'm going against it. We had a young lady that was in one of our uh, leadership programs that we were doing with the school. And she said, when I'm here in this, I feel safe, I feel good, I feel confident. She said, but when this was over, I go back to feeling like, hmm. because I just, it's not in my environment like I needed to be in my environment. I don't get the experience at all the time. There's not many people supporting it. Do we just move on and just say, well, you went through it, so. You know, you can't. There's still a responsibility there. And I think that's the thing that makes it tough for people. Like, once is a thing, it's a thing. Yeah. We're, and we're very good in Sioux Falls uh, at grinding people down and wearing them out. Man, bro. Because Man. we dip into this. I'm looking at you two guys. I mean, <clears throat> and, and obviously I know it because of my role, but we dip in the same well of people a lot. I like, hey, be on this board. Or, hey, you got time to mentor this person or go out to coffee with this person. And it's great, but that's why programs, whether it's Leaders of Tomorrow or different programs that different organizations are doing to cultivate and groom the, the bench and get a deeper bench are so important because I'm seeing it a little bit. I'm seeing some people in this community that they used to be really engaged, involved leaders. I'm like, where did they go? They just kind of shriveled up and said, I'm kind of done. Or maybe they had a bad experience or so. Back to characteristics of leaders, I think, resiliency is a very big one too. Like you gotta be willing to get kicked in the teeth and get kind of worn down and just say, hey, my purpose of doing this work is greater than myself. So I gotta just, I gotta keep going. I'm not just gonna throw in the towel yeah. and tap out. And, um. I think what we did differently than other people might've 
um, which is why I feel comfortable doing as much as we do in the community, is that we work really hard to make our vocation our occupation in terms of like a real true alignment between how we believe organizations sh should work, meaning that I think organizations should be more communal and I think communities should be more tactical and strategic in a, in a more of a business way. And for us, it was weird for a lot of people because they're like, you're doing nonprofit stuff, but you're a for-profit business. And that just weirds people out because they expected some type of impropriety or something shady to be happening when, when you know, that's moving around. But for us, it was just to say that if we're going to put in this type of time, energy, and effort in our business, how can we use these skill sets to apply it to what we want to do in the community? Because our business exists within the community. We're not a business. We're a Sioux Falls business. Mm -hmm. We're a South Dakota business. We're an American business. Like we identify in these cultures and these subcultures and we're connected to them. And what we're doing here um, is more valuable to us because we get a three, four, five X return because the work we do is happening in our community. That, that, that client that we just came from where we talked to them about bettering their lives and being better for their families and improving their workplace, we're gonna be in traffic with those people later. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like I might coach their kids at a different point in time. And even the young people that we deal with, it's like, if you're not in their lives, there's a decent chance they're gonna be in your garage. Yeah. <laughs> just, you don't even, even if you didn't really care, it's just smart to do, to have the type of community that most people say that they want. So for us, when I punch in, meaning that when I wake up every day, all of it's to the same end, is to have the best organization possible. That's my job, that's his job, that's D3D's job, that's the team's job. 100%. And you, you guys are lucky in that you, you able to align that purpose with your work. But how, how do you, how do you share that message with someone who is a mortgage broker at a bank or you know who yeah. doesn't doesn't maybe feel that uh, that alignment? And I know we're pivoting a little bit from leadership qualities to life purpose, but I yeah. think like you guys are fortunate. I'm fortunate in that I get to wake up every day like man. How can I make this city better? Like, what an opportunity, what a purpose. But for someone who, you know, is maybe a, a barista and trying to figure out what, how am I making my community better by doing this work? Like, how do you find I think some purpose? of them do it. When you look at Kafia, for instance, and they assisted in, in helping us and get a lot of these programs going because they think bigger than, you know, just coffee. We got drywall companies that are helping their people with treatment that are struggling with addiction and things of that nature. The people who have conviction are activating their businesses to be able to do those things, whether it's how they use the profits, whether or not how, is, how it is that they deploy their people. You know, I, you know, I, like a lot of people, came partly through that kind of Wells Fargo tree. And for whatever people want to say about it, I got compensated for multiple days to go out into the community and volunteer. And because I was able to do that, I developed community connections and relationships and understandings and knowledge about my community that went deeper than I probably ever would have done by myself or if, if I was with an organization that did not intentionally send me out there. You know, and I don't care what you make, I don't care what you do, there's an avenue for you to feed back into your community, 100%, especially if just pure profit and money is not the goal. And for me, what I always remind people of, particularly all of the, the entrepreneurs and the CEOs that we touch is, what's the money for? Yeah. We talk about currency and not money. What, what's it for? Like, if you told me, like, if, if, I could, if I had all the money in the world, what would I spend it on? 
I was spending on having a safe, healthy community where I felt loved and I was able to be, that's what I want, that's what I got. You know, somebody asked me in an interview, and I say this all the time, they asked me, if you could live anywhere in the world, where would you live? And I would say, I can live anywhere in the world. I live here, hmm. and I want to, hmm. mm-hmm. you know what I mean? And so I, I just think, and I challenge organizations, like cut it out, cut it out. You know, at the end of the day, you can, you know you could do more. You know you could do better, that's my thing. Well, I think it starts with, I would argue this isn't a pivot from it, it's actually relevant right back to the topic. Uh, to me, the greatest leadership challenge of all time and still exists today is the inability to effectively lead ourselves. And the biggest gap we have in society is a lack of self-confidence and securities, actually that's where the negativity comes from, all those type of things, right? So again, if you're, if you're just a barista here or you're a checkout person at you know, Hy-Vee, what, what's interesting when we do our, our power of culture session with organizations, I ask the question at the end of the session, I say, not that you don't love them or don't respect them, but how many would go back and live the same exact life their, their parents lived? Job, marriage, vacations, the whole nine. Maybe 3% raise their hand. Room of 100 people, maybe three raise their hand. Then I ask the deeper question, how many of you, your kids want to live your life? <sighs> that hits people in the heart. Maybe 3% raise their hand. And we do this, we have clients, oh, really? we have, yeah, we have clients who are doctors, lawyers, bankers, CEOs, manufacturers, car salesmen, does not matter the industry, the same maybe 3% raise their hand. They make, may make a lot more money in different industries, but they realize I'm not living a life that my kids would want to live. What goes to say is it's not what you do for a living, it's how you do it. And in that space, I actually just got a, um, uh, for Christmas, my oldest uh, gave me this um, bookmark and it said to dad, she's like, a, a real dad isn't someone who tells you how to live. It's someone who lives and lets you watch. And that hit me so hard because she's like, my girls, my youngest told me hmm. uh, a few weeks ago, she's like, dad, will you teach me how to live a good life? Why would she ask me that? Because she's seen me living my life. Now, again, yes, we own our own business, X, Y, Z. But again, this attitude didn't just start overnight when you started right. the business. So on and so forth. Now, was it, as it, was it at this level? Of course not. So that so the, the the thing to that person, no matter where they're at, we all teach through the clarity of your example. And ask yourself, what example are you setting? If you can't get up and be excited about being the best whatever you do that day and having a good attitude, because when you wake up, you can have a poor attitude, an okay attitude, a, a above average attitude, an excellent attitude. There's choices no matter what's on your day on an ordinary Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, it does not matter. The enthusiasm, the joy, the zeal, and back to this point of, of, of choosing where you live, we get to choose that, you get to choose who your friends are, you get to choose all, America is the greatest country, you have all these freedoms. Mm-hmm. But if you don't take advantage of those freedoms of choosing your sphere, choosing the activities you do on your days off, no one's working 24-7, 365, you got days off. So again, are you, are you constructing a life that is intersecting with things that make you come alive and, and doing it with people that you enjoy. One of the misnomers about um, within organizations, back to Wells Fargo, I got this one, their, their engagement survey, one of the questions I ask is, do you have a best friend at work? And it was amazing how many people were like, Ugh, best friend at work. Like when you spend 50 to 75% of your waking hours at work, going to work, thinking about work, et cetera, if I'm gonna be here this much, Shouldn't I invest at a different level in the relationships with the people that I engage with every single day? And if I do those things, now I care more. I don't think I'm an actual best friend. 
But if I care more about that person that sits next to me and have empathy and all the various things, quality to my life, and now I love my life just a little bit more. And that is the thing that no matter what position you're at, you can start there, back to the, the key word of leadership. Leadership is influence. If you start to influence the two or three people where you're at, as you, we all know, more opportunities will show up for that type of individual always. Well said, man. Yeah. Do we get that? Do we get that recorded? <laughs> we should. That was good. Yeah. Well, I think I think it uh, it leads to a topic that I think we're going to talk about in a future episode, and that is purpose, like finding purpose, yeah. finding purpose in our work, finding purpose in our life. Why are we here? Um, so. I don't want my early remarks to be taken out of context like there's no purpose in being a barista and there's no purpose in hanging your absolutely purpose. When you when your purpose is found in your business card only, then yeah, you will struggle. Yep. Most of us, our purpose is not in our work, our identity is something else. We just masquerade and do that through. Yeah. I'm, a, I'm doing this through a barista. Yeah. I'm doing it as a mayor right now. I'm doing it as a drywall hanger yeah. but the purpose well, is much greater. before we land the plan on this one just if, if all right so you have that 20 year old comes to you hey man i want to be a leader what advice do you give them and they say again i i i feel it inside me i want to be a leader in my life what you know in the absence of having the characteristics what do you, what do you tell that person here's some things you should be looking at be concerned with to make sure that you step into being the best leader that you can I just tap him on the shoulder now. Now I'm like, you have permission. A lot of people want permission. I needed permission. I didn't realize it. I would have never, I would have never thought that I needed permission to lead. I was in, I'll tell you the story. I was, I was the chair of the Human Relations Commission for uh, years. I was on it for almost a decade. And a gentleman by the name of Kerry Cowell was a manager for a period of time. Uh, city's attorney manager of the, of the thing. And we were in a, uh, a meeting with some folks who were um, a part of a case that we had where um, a person felt like they were denied access to a, 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 an establishment because of, their, because of their race. And so we were having a conversation with these gentlemen in the room and I'm probably 20, 23, something like that. And I'm young and I'm with all of these more experienced leaders and we're in this room with these business owners and this person who had been affected. And it's really my meeting as the chair to kind of manage that. But these gentlemen who were in the meeting kept directing all of their responses to, to Gary. And as they kept aiming their responses at him, it's clear that they were not engaging me. And so there's a point where he stops the meeting and he says, gentlemen, I just want to be clear about this whole thing. This is Bonnie Herrera, he's the chair of the Human Relations Commission. This is his meaning and you should be directing your responses to him. Hmm. And then he leans over and whispers to me, he said, take control of your meeting. And click, never again. Take control of your meeting. As soon as he said that, it was like, I knew I would never walk into a room again and hmm. need permission. That anytime I was there, I'm here for a reason. I'm here to give you what I got and that's what I'm gonna do. And I have zero apologies for it. Um, Gary since uh, passed away, but that was one of the greatest gifts a person has ever given me. And you wouldn't think that you need permission to do what you feel is right, but a lot of people do. So when people come to me and they ask me, the first thing I give them is permission. You can, so skip that part. And, and because I don't want people coming up to me wanting to you know, be blessed, it's you can. 
So that's the first thing. That, that's my first thing for people is you can. So do. And get out your head about it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And, and I, I would also tell that young person, just start um, looking at people that you admire as leaders. Why, why do you admire them? What do they do that you think is effective? And also look at people who you feel are ineffective. Why are they ineffective? Are they stubborn? Are they closed off? Are they narcissistic? Do they not, are they insecure, not knowing who they are? So that manifests itself in their style. I mean, in, in my job, man, I read people for a living. It's kind of what I do. And I just, I think if you can just read people and look at people and say, what type of leader do you want to be then, young person? And you need to start looking and modeling the way um, for what not only the next generation should be, but who you like uh, and start implementing some of those things. So it's good stuff. I think what we're hearing is vulnerability, empathy, self-awareness, mm. uh, compassion, courage, un courage, like uncomfortability, like Angela. Good stuff. Yeah. Well, um, as always, make sure you like, subscribe, share, so you get these as soon as they're dropped. And be a part of the conversation. Get into those comments. Uh, uh, tell us what you think about what we said and what we should be talking about. We definitely want to hear from you. But until next time for the Burden of Leadership, I'm Vani. We got PTH here, and then we got Tamia. See you guys next time. See ya.